Hi, and welcome to the next installment of our podcast, FX Refreshed, where we talk to industry experts in the world of supply chain. In this session, we catch up with Jim Badavinak, VP of Green Mountain Technology, who gives us an insight into the benefits of what spend management solutions can do for shippers. Hope you enjoy. I want to kick off really um, with just talking about Green Mountain, if you don't mind. Like, sure. so, you know, what are they about? What are you up to? So uh, Green Mountain was started back in 1999 by um, a group of, of people, our, our CEO, um, Craig Russell and Chief Commercial Officer Jim Jacobs and, and a few others, um, really to... Uh, Craig brought this this knowledge um, from from FedEx on re-rating shipments and being able to audit shipments to the penny, and that's really where we got our start as a um, as a parcel auditor. And we've certainly evolved over the last twenty years, and um, we're now at a point where and have been for quite some time where we do so much more than just audit shipments. But it's that initial um, audit that we do that allows us to rate parcel shipments to the penny. So when you think of some of the largest retail e-commerce shippers in the US, and you think of how many parcel shipments they have and getting those shipments to the, the, the penny, it can mean millions and millions of dollars to their, their overall spend. And then once we, once we do the audit, we've got this robust platform of data that allows us to really do some, some unique and creative modeling and, um, and, and um, recommending on, on what their supply chain should look like. And uh, we, do, we do that for the, um, um, for the largest parcel shippers in the, in the U.S. And, and actually, they've been telling us for the last few years, uh, we really need you to provide an, a complimentary LTL solution to what you do on the parcel side because we need a bigger, broader look at our, our, our supply chain network. So um, after a 30-year career at FedEx, um, I transitioned over to Green Mountain Technology to develop and roll out our LTL solution, which uh, we betaed last summer. And we're now in full production and um, meeting the needs of, of many LTL um, shippers as well. And kind of the interesting thing is we had our customers telling us, we need you to do LTL, we need you to do LTL. And that's been the case. But the interest that we've gotten from the rest of the market uh, from non-existing GMT customers has been really phenomenal. And, and, and that's actually our, our fastest growing segment of, of opportunities and business um, within our company. So um, we're doing a lot of great things. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, specializing in parcel and LTL right now, but we've got many other things on our strategic roadmap where for years and years to come, we're going to be able to provide supply chain value to not only the largest shippers in the U.S., but as we work our way down market um, to some smaller shippers too, and really provide value across the spectrum, regardless of size. Fantastic. So are you, um, or does the software allow for understanding where maybe money is being spent inappropriately? Yeah, there's, there's some of that. I, I, I'm not sure I would use the word inappropriately, but um, <laughs> maybe unnecessarily. <laughs> um, semantics, yeah, it, my friend. It's semantics, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, I'm married to a uh, librarian, so everything is about what you say and how you say it. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, I mean, we'll look at 
we'll look at networks and we'll make um, mode optimization recommendations, carrier optimization recommendations, really um, helping our customers understand what's going on in the marketplace. Um, and then utilizing all that data that we have with their spend to maybe change things up a little bit. Maybe they don't have their DCs in the right places, or maybe they're shipping the wrong SKUs from the wrong DCs based on where their um, end users are located. And uh, so we'll make all kinds of um, recommendations based on the data that we see. And, and we hire really, really smart people um, out of supply historical or not historical but um uh, just known um, supply chain universities and they come to us with engineering degrees and uh, um, uh, experience in the market that really allows us to do things that um, other companies struggle to do first and foremost because of our technology and then secondly because of the quality of people that we hire fantastic and so are your your clients are they pleasantly surprised, at least, by the results that you provide them? Yeah, we um, we make some very very strong um, commitments on the front end, um, and we darn well better better meet those commitments. Um, so I don't know that they're surprised. I would say that they're pleasantly happy with with what we provide, and they're always pushing us to do more. Uh, but but the things that we do for them, uh, I, I just I, I guess the best way to say it is we have virtually zero turnover in customers at Green Mountain Technology. When we bring, in just in the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of existing parcel customers who are talking to LTL about say that they feel as if they're GMT customers for life. You just don't hear that very often. No, no. I mean, if you're providing that value and that level of support and service, and I guess importantly, doing exactly what you say you're going to do, and then turning out positive and really great results as well, then um, yeah, you know, one would hope that clients are going to stick with you. But it is to your point, it's it's rare that you get clients that turn around and say, "Wow, yeah, like super impressed. Like I'm, I'm a client for life." One of the things it's exactly right. One of the things that that um, we're very proud of is we on average, provide seven to 10 times the ROI, um, um, seven to 10 times the investment. So our ROI is multitudes greater than than our, our competition, who's really, really just focused on, on gain share and, and finding audit savings. So when we find an error that a carrier makes, we're not incentive to perpetuate those those errors. We're incented to find those errors, fix them, and we work directly with, um, on the parcel side, FedEx and UPS and the smaller regional carriers to fix the problem, have it go away. That's not what we're compensated on. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're compensated on a per invoice fee, and then where where we really shine, where we make our money, where we help our customers and provide ROI is on the strategic savings um, based on all the things that we've talked about so far in terms of maximizing the efficiency within their network. Right. Okay. So when you identify maybe um, new channels, new routes, um, potentially maybe new suppliers, new ways of doing things, is that just a recommendation or do you then follow through by helping with the implementation and making those changes? 
both. Um, we, we, we make the recommendations. Um, we're the second set of eyes um, verifying their intuition. Um, we also definitely help them implement our recommendations. And then we monitor and track our recommendations to ensure that we are indeed um, saving the, the, the money that, that we said we would on the front side. Right. And are there, are there any commonalities that you find from one client to another? There's always something that, that crops up that's, that's typical. When you look at our customers, um, they're heavily, um, heavily situated in the retail e-commerce vertical. Um, although we do have customers that for sure go outside of that, a, a, a majority of our customers are in that um, are in that uh, retail um, e-commerce B 2 C type fit. Um, you know, each each situation has its own own unique. Um, um, variables that make it make it different and really which allows us to provide value. Um, but one of the things that we've seen here recently, really this is COVID and if you look back into 2020, um, peak season came about six months early. So you had pre-peak which was peak volumes and then you had peak which was uh, um, peak times two volumes. Uh, we had uh, a lot of issues with capacity that we had to help our customers solve. And, and if the big two couldn't uh, meet the needs of the particular shipper, we were looking to help find regional customers, regional carriers to, um, to get their product moved. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that we see that's facing uh, other modes uh, when you look at what's happening on the parcel side. Um, there's tightened capacity, um, UPS in particular is being very particular. Um, they've been very public about saying that we don't necessarily want to be bigger, we want to be better. They're focused on, on the quality of, of, of packaging and the type of shipments they have in their network and ensuring that they're profitable and FedEx is doing a lot of the same. Uh, so we're seeing customers and we're seeing shipments actually bubble up from the parcel uh, space into the LTL space. And conversely, on the upper side of that, we're seeing truckload shipments also bleed into the LTL space. So LTL carriers are becoming capacity constrained. So this creates this, this, this disarray in, 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 in the transportation arena, which really is a perfect time for GMT to be here to say, hey, regardless of mode, we can help you um, find solutions. And that's, right. that's what we do. I mean, the audit is what we're known for, but it's a very small piece of what we do. It just really kind of sets the foundation for all the great work we do after that. And, and uh, that involves um, all the recommendations that we've um, talked about, um, carrier selection. Um, and that's one of the strongest points, I believe, on our, our, our team from an LTL standpoint is um, just the, the understanding that we have of the LTL marketplace and and what we can do to help customers position freight with the right carriers in the right lanes at the right prices right so um so thanks for that jim um so with what we've seen over the last i guess almost 10 12 months coming up um outside <clears throat> excuse me outside of los angeles with steamships queuing up uh to get in with what we've seen i suppose in the last week six days uh, in the uh, in the Suez Canal, um, does that does that really does that allow for you guys to then, I guess, shine a little bit more so that you can support businesses 
in their supply chain and um, maybe making certain recommendations during these heightened times of <laughs> confusion, I guess. Yeah, certainly the, the, the port situation in Southern California, definitely um, that directly impacts uh, the supply chain within the U.S. The Suez Canal thing, uh, at this point in time, GMT is not into the uh, ocean or international arena. Um, but again, we've got that strategic roadmap out there that I talked about earlier. Yeah. So maybe more to come on that in the coming months slash years. Um, but um, yeah, m- most definitely um, when customers get in a crunch, they're looking for some some help. Um, they, may, they may already understand what they need to do to um resolve that congestion or or ensure that their product gets to the consumer. Um, so we're there either to have them bounce those ideas off of us or have our engineers look at their network and maybe look outside the box in terms of how to how do they get the product out of, in this example, the, the, the port of LA, how do they get it to meet service commitments to their customers if they're used to trucking it, maybe they've got to put it um, on an airplane or, or if service isn't important and they're trying to save some money, take it off the airplane and put it on rail or whatever the case might be. We're here to help make those recommendations and, and work with them on those types of things. All right. Perfect. I saw you comment recently and, and I, I dropped you a note on this uh, with regards to the GRI. Um, there was an article, I think it was put out by Curtis, Curtis Garrett. Yes. And, yep. Uh, yep. and you I responded to that. So I, I, what I liked about that um, particular article and, and the subsequent comments were, I mean, it was, it was educational for me, right? Because when you see a rate increase of, of X, you just immediately feel like it's, it's arbitrary. Um, it's potentially gouging, but it's not, right? It's right. In, uh, certainly not in all cases and hopefully not in any cases, but um, it was an education for me. And if I understand this correctly, it could be a price increase of, why in uh, one lane or a bunch of lanes, but it could also result in decreases in other lanes, right? And so the GRI is, is a net of all of the activity across exactly. those lanes. Exactly right, yes. And, and honestly, um, carriers have got, LTL carriers have gotten so much better at this in, in developing a level of trust within um, their customer base. But um, they o- over the years, um, the increases have been arbitrary and, and, and there's been this mistrust between the carriers and the shippers. And I'm a big advocate of, of shippers and carriers working together. They need each other. Um, so there needs to be that, uh, that honesty there and that trust. And, and yes, um, carriers have become much better about one GRI per year, not a GRI every nine or 10 months, um, which would in essence mean two GRIs in one year. Um, carriers, unless there's some extenuating circumstance that nobody banked on or even thought of, um, you know, carriers know their cost. They know what they need to increase their rates by. And, and um, what people kind of lose sight of too, is the fact that, you know, GRIs are um, only on customers that are subject to their base rates. So, which depending on the carrier, you know, can be anywhere from, from 30 to roughly 50% of their shipments. Everything else moves on a foreign rate base, which gets negotiated on a contract by contract deal. Um, but in the, in, in the case of, of, of this year, um, the carriers have been pretty, 
pretty consistent. Um, most of the increases occur, GRI is occurring between January and um, March 1st, and most of them running roughly between, um, really between 4.9 and 5.9%, um, just with a couple couple outlier, outliers. Estes had a little lower GRI as did um, UPS, which will now become T-Force um, when that acquisition goes through. But uh, so, um, the, 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 there's more consistency. There's one GRI a year. And actually, that's one of the things that GMT does as well is when a carrier implements an increase, if a shipper wants us to validate it, we can give them and provide them the exact impact to them based on where their shipments are moving, not the average um, that the carrier has put out in the marketplace. And, and really, we don't do that to um, create any um, disenchantment between the two. It's really just so that the, the shipper can make a, an educated decision as to what lanes they want their shipments moving with what carrier. And, uh, right. um, and that's really a, um, a benefit to the carrier too, because the lanes that the carrier has the higher increases in, those are lanes where their capacity's tight or their hinterlands. Um, deliveries out in the pickups, deliveries out in the middle of nowhere, probably not their forte. Um, so we're really just helping. We want to be that that Switzerland between the shipper and the carrier <laughs> to help them to help them position freight in the right lanes at the right prices, so everybody benefits and carriers um, have um, good operating ratios and shippers are moving shipments at the best possible service at the best possible rate. That's really what we're what we're here to do. Right. And, and so here's a dumbass question then. I assume you're only paying for the lanes that you're using. You're not, you're not paying that average. Um, so you, you mentioned like between four and 5% is, is the kind of typical norm. Like that's the across the board, right? Across all of the lanes that are available potentially. Right. But that's, but you're still only paying as a, as a shipper for the lanes that you use. So there that could be, there could be some positive benefit in the sense that the, the lanes that you happen to be using that particular period uh, uh, receive the decrease. Correct. If you're a big shipper out of say um, South Florida, um, you could potentially be paying higher than the average GRI just because you're shipping out of a state that's chronic, um, chronic head haul for most carriers. And if you're shipping out of the Northwest, out of Seattle or Portland, um, which is historically um, chronic backhaul, you may be paying a little bit less than the GRI, uh, depending on, on where those shipments are actually going to. So again, just it's just ensuring and, and, and providing that validation at the end of the day that here is actually how much your rates are gonna increase by if you're using, if you continue to use this carrier in those exact same lanes. Right. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Um, so talk to me about um, the win-loss analysis. So having worked at FedEx for, for 30 years and in pricing for, for the last 20 years, one of the more frustrating things that, uh, that um, we would uh, go through would be to lose an RFP but not have a clue as to where um, – where we were, did we lose that bit, that, that opportunity by 2% or did we lose that opportunity by 10%? Um, if we had known it was 2%, you know, there might've been some things that we could have done, um, made some adjustments somewhere to get closer to that Delta at 10%, you're probably too far off to really worry about it, but mm -hmm. still good to know. It helps you build a database that helps you make better informed decisions going forward. So, 
uh, one of the partners that that we work with, Banyan Technology, um, they're they're working with with carriers and shippers um, with their Carrier Insights program to really help um, uh, shippers and carriers, but in this case, more specifically, carriers understand what's happening in the marketplace, um, what price levels are shippers buying at, and and maybe where a carrier is missing the boat um, when it comes to comes to their RFPs. And and it's not just a matter of sharpening your pencil and in reducing your rates 2% to, to win the business. It's, it's really um, where else in our program or where else in our offer can we make adjustments or tweaks that allows us to get closer to that 2% Delta. Uh, maybe it's filling backhaul lanes and, 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 and reducing rates there. Uh, you know, it's just a, a matter of understanding the shippers business better and what it takes to win the business. And that has been, that, that has been missing regardless of which carrier um, you work for um, in, in something that's desperately needed um, to make better decisions and to help carriers get to the margins that they need to be at to allow them to reinvest in their, their, their facilities and their equipment and their people. And that's ultimately what they want to do and then provide a return to their shareholders, of course. Right. So a couple of times there, you mentioned the Delta on price. <clears throat> Excuse me. So is is that typically um, why you might lose an RFP on the price? And if so, is that is that typical for the industries, just looking at the bottom line and not necessarily looking at all of the other value adds that you can provide for a slightly higher fee? Yeah, no, I think the, the the really good carriers, they do a great job of calling out the value adds and and, and they do extract a higher a higher fee um, and rightfully so, um, whether it's based on technology, uh, service, service area, um, you know, more and more carriers over the years have, have gone to serving all points in, in all states where that there used to really just be one carrier that did that. Um, so, you know, that the carriers have realized that they have to improve their technology and they've done a phenomenal job in that regard. Um, they have to provide shipment visibility, um, which is incredibly important throughout the supply chain. Um, more and more carriers are getting better at that. So there's always going to be differentiators between the carriers, but um, you know, it, it's, past experience, it's typically priced that either wins or precludes a carrier from gaining the business. Right. So it's, it's, it's definitely price. Um, and, and then I'd say number two on that list is, is, is service. Um, you know, is it a one day lane versus a two day lane, a two day lane versus a three day lane, or are you looking at regional carriers versus long haul carriers and, 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 um, what's your, um, what's your, situation as it relates to um, how many carriers can you fit into your 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 warehouse to pick up your shipments and then you've got to make those decisions as to do I need one carrier that can service the entire country or services of the utmost important I mean there are carriers that specialize in different pockets can I bring five carriers in and then how important does price um, impact that decision also so it always typically comes down to price. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does, right? I guess it does. Um, and finally, I know that uh, time is pressing um, before I let you go. So COVID, how has that impacted 
GMT over the last 12 months? I mean, I'm going to be very careful how I phrase this question. Like, has it, has it been a positive experience? Notwithstanding the trauma that most people in the world are facing right now, but for you folks, has it has it been um, has it been a, uh, a a period where business has ramped up, where you've been able to demonstrate and show tremendous amount of value, or have you seen it drop off at some point? It, yeah, exactly. Take away the, um, the the worldwide concern. Take away the yeah. concern that employees have. Um, it's been an incredibly positive experience for GMT um, on multiple different fronts. I mean, um, from a revenue standpoint, uh, you look at who our customers are and their retail e-commerce and you look at what's happened in the retail e-commerce space and it has absolutely boomed. So therefore, our volumes have boomed and we've been able to provide incredible value to our customers with their volumes, with their volumes raising and it's allowed our our, our company to grow as well. So it, it's been incredibly beneficial um, from that standpoint. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 only, the only negative in the COVID era has been uh, new shippers unwilling to make um, big decisions and big changes in their network. So a lot of deals that we were working on have been put on hold and, and now they're starting to um, um, regenerate and, and we're, we're really busy from a, a prospect standpoint right now. Okay. So plenty of conversations. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then just um, on, on the softer side of it, um, we've really realized that um, we can be as efficient and effective and maybe even more effective and efficient in a work from home environment than we are um, when we've got everybody in the office. So I think that's going to change how GMT looks going forward and where people actually go to do their job every day. A, a, a high percentage of them will be right here um, in their homes doing their jobs, um, which, um, I, again, I think that's a, it, it, it's a great advantage um, for companies that are willing to do that in terms of recruiting and retaining um, high, high performing individuals. And, um, you know, I, I just know for myself, it's been, it's been great. I've gotten to know my dogs a heck of a lot better over the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as they say, and hopefully my, uh, my um, close friends and family won't specifically hear me say this, but, the, you know, the benefit of working from home is that you get to see your family a lot more. No the doubt downside of working from home is that you get to see your family a lot more. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to your point, I, I, I mean, I, I've been actually working from home for about six years. So I, you know, when everybody switched to it uh, 12 months ago and we're pulling their hair out, I was you know, already in the groove, but it takes a little getting used to. It really, yeah, really, no. really does. You have to, you know, plan your day a little bit more, especially if you want to catch up with colleagues and, you know, missing that water cooler chat, if you will, uh, yeah. is, was, is kind of key. But, you know, I think having that balance, being able to get into an office, be able to like have a physical face-to-face encounter, um, catch up with some, uh, you know, other colleagues and I guess, you know, learn from them and listen to what they have to say in person um, is one thing, but then having that time to focus when you're actually at home and you've got no distractions. No doubt about it. The, 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 the one thing I will say adding on to that real quickly is there's, you know, really nothing that can replace, you know, face-to-face um, interaction and, and, and that level of trust and, and relationship development. But what we found over the last four months, as we've sort of gotten back into customers wanting to talk about um, our solution is we're able to get in front of more customers more quickly um, than we were if we had to book flights and travel and stay in hotels yeah. and 
you know, have one meeting every couple of days or one meeting a day, you know, we're now able to have multiple meetings a day. People are comfortable with Zoom and Teams and, and um, we're really getting be able to get ourselves out there a little bit better than we would just under the old normal um, scenario. Absolutely. So. Well, Jim, um, listen, thanks for joining us today. Sincerely appreciate it. You're um, welcome, Mark. Uh, time is up, but uh, we'll catch up soon, no doubt. Sounds and great. Uh, thanks again. Cheers, Jim. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, mate. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.